What's up, everybody? This is the Super Tight Podcast. My name is Woody, and on today's episode, I got the coolest hipster that I've ever met in my entire life. James Allen, at Prada James, on Twitter and Instagram. He's been running merchandise at Coachella and other major music festivals for years. We talk about the manufacturing process for all of the clothing and the merchandise. We talk about trusting creatives you hire to do their job and not micromanaging them. We talk about the difference between a professional and an amateur creative designer. And we talk about festival merchandise culture in general. We talk about Kanye's Sunday service at Coachella, how that went, and much more. So please enjoy this episode with everyone's favorite hipster grandpa, James Allen. Woo! It's cracking. Nothing, man. Just fucking wrapping up a solid eight-week run of just show after show after show after um show and then wrapping it all up so I can actually go on vacation in two weeks. Where are you going? <laughs> uh, going up north. We're going to go up to Berkeley and then go up to Sea Ranch. Sick. Dude, Sea Ranch is so nice. I, I've never been. It's nice. Yeah. Like, I went out there a few times. Um, and so we rented a, rented a, condo, uh, a unit in Condominium One, which is like the original, uh, like, super dope concept. Basically, it was the spec build for the entire thing. Wow. So we rented that and... Uh, we're going to go up there and just check it out because that's a retirement home possibility. Is it? Yeah, when you get to be my age, you got to fucking think about that stuff. <laughs> How old are you? 45. You're 45? Yeah, just turned... good, man. Thank you. Turned 45 this year. Yeah, you're blushing a little bit. I know, because you said I look good. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I definitely want to talk about streetwear and clothing manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I've been thinking about is... What the fuck happens to clothes when we stop wearing them? Right. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is something I think a lot of people don't think about is like, where does it go? Where does it go? I mean, there's people out there that are trying to, um, there's a couple parts to it also. There's also like cutting. So, like when you make a t shirt, right, you're making it out of a block of fabric. Yeah. So, you have leftovers. So, there's dudes out there, dudes and women, uh, trying to figure out the process to, Recycle that into more T-shirts, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what people have found it's a really difficult process, an expensive process uh, to do fully recycled garments. It's it's tough because it's going to be all pieced together and shit. It, that um, or is there a process to make new fabric rolls? Out there's of a new, there's a process to like I, I and I could be completely wrong. I don't know the technical details, but I think from my really rough understanding is it's like an unweaving and then reweaving process or something like that. You know what I mean? Like m- most things are woven. That sounds but insanely like, it, difficult. It's like tedious and difficult. Um, if you're dealing with colors, you have to get the color out, which is usually involves a chemical process, which in turn is almost defeating the purpose of what you're doing. And you got to the power the place. machines to unstitch and yeah, stitch them back together. Um, so you're using energy. And, so a couple yeah. of folks I know that, that work in the industry of, are working uh on a plant in Mexico that's basically the largest uh, natural gas-powered plant of its kind. Um, and basically part of that is dedicated to making recycled T-shirts. 
Um, it's a bunch of dudes in the surf industry that are just like they live that life. You know, they're like, yeah. we're in the ocean all the time. We see all this plastic, all this waste, and that's where a lot of the innovation is coming from. It's still a couple of years away. I mean, I could see. Uh, there's been a couple initiatives. I think Pangaea is one name that I've seen pop up, um, and I think they were at like Complex Con and Agenda pitching. But I guess my, I if I have any kind of beef with any of that stuff, it's that a lot of it ends up just being a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, it's probably like twenty percent recycled or something. Uh, yeah, and. And if that's why you're doing that, then don't fucking do it. Yeah, you know, like either do it and eat some of the cost, and just understand that hey, like maybe only I can drive one Tesla, you know, <laughs> instead of like yeah. like using it to, you know, I don't know. The bullshit factor is just kind of high in some of yeah, those. Yeah, to folks. sell a product. You're yeah, just using it to yeah. get into you conscious know. people's pockets. <laughs> you know, uh, our friend Amanda, who's awesome. Yeah. Um. And hopefully I'm not out of pocket here, but she started her. You know, she's doing uh, silicone bags that are reusable instead of yeah, Ziploc bags. It's amazing. And those kind of ideas, you know, she she's coming from the right place. Like, mm-hmm. and those kind of ideas are very cool. And it's like, you know, finding spaces within what we do in these industries. It's like, you know, you walk around Coachella at the end of the night, and just the amount of waste that is on the ground it's so and crazy. just left over. It's and you so at these shows, it's 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 insane. And it's like plastic water bottles. And it's yeah. like yeah, tents, those like tents, tents plastic water bottles. Oh, I don't even twelve packs, empty twelve packs. I don't even go out and camping, and man. I can't deal so with that. It's so crazy. Yeah. And where does it all go? Yeah. It's so <laughs> you, know? you know, um and Coachella again is a luxury festival on both ends, on both the patron side and working for it. Like we get to do things and and we have programs that most people don't ever get to do right, mm-hmm. so we're able to have a recycling set up on site where every all the trash is separated on site before it even leaves site to go to where it needs to go to be either recycled or yeah. uh, to landfill. And that program helps a lot. You right? think all, like most festivals don't do that though, right? There's so there's some companies, some vendors out there, um, and this is like real inside baseball, but they do separate out or but they don't have. A the time or B the logistical capability that we have yeah. at that show to do it all on site. It all gets hauled away. Right. So they're just they're counting on the patron to recycle it or totally. to put the thing in the right bin and they just collect the bags and separate the bags. So it's just sort of like, yeah. I have, I have a thing for processes, so totally. uh, I pay attention to that stuff, and it's like that's the process, right? Like, so they're relying on the patron to make the right decision when they throw something away, yeah. and then at that point, they're not touching it; they're just sealing the bag and throwing the bag in. The ones that are labeled recycling go in the recycling, and then they're having to do it down at you know the the plan or whatever, which whatever they can't recycle, they probably just toss anyway. So it's just got to come from the source, man. Mm-hmm. I mean the the. All the the plastic thing is a whole different conversation. Yeah, it's it's so bad. Um, but from a from a t shirt perspective, are, so this is like I think it's a hundred percent cotton. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it's just like a Hanes undershirt or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But they same have, thing. I'm wearing. They have yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have shirts that have polyester in them though too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Is that does that break down or is that? Um, uh, I don't think I don't think it breaks down as easily. Is that a plastic? What the hell is polyester? I don't know. It's I think it is a. It sounds plastic. like poly sounds like multiple. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should know this. <laughs> um, 
you know, it's probably similar to nylon mm-hmm. or rayon mm-hmm. or something. Um, and you know, like, but that shit doesn't break down. So if you if that right. ends up in a landfill, the, yeah, co- so the cotton I think would probably break down. But it's cotton got, will break down. It's got bleach in it and shit. It got colors and dyes. But I think by the time it ends up in a landfill, most of those dyes are probably pretty neutralized. You yeah. know what I mean? Anything yeah. bad in them has been washed out five million times. True. Um, into, yeah, into I was, the water supply. So into the water. <laughs> yeah. I oh, know. I did some tie dyeing last weekend or two weeks ago with like my daughter and stuff. And we were tie dyeing shirts, and it's like it's a messy fucking process. Like go to a dye house if you want to see some crazy shit. Cause really? It's, it's just messy, you know. And there's a there's a growing like group of people. There's this amazing woman, Nikki. Um, uh, Lookout in Wonderland is her Instagram. She's awesome. She works with like natural dyes. Hmm. Uh, she actually will dye things with like turmeric, beets, um, beets yeah. avocados. Another one, avocado rinds and things. Wow. Where it's it's a tedious and expensive process. And part of her belief is in the um, healing capabilities of those herbs and things that she dyes it with, and mm. she feels like it carries over into the garment for some people to wear. That's cool. Um, and she uses a lot of like, you know, one of the some of the best techniques for dyeing and stuff comes from Japan and their history of indigo dyeing. And indigo is one of the better natural dyes. What know. is that process? What is that? It's the it's that blue color. It's you see it on a lot of like. Uh, uh, shashiko garments and things from Japan, like kimonos and stuff, and the way mm-hmm. they dye it. Um, but in it's they using like the natural dyes is great. But again, it's like like if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, yeah. your cost of goods is going to go fucking skyrocket because it's like it but is that's a the problem, man. Process. I feel like if the if on on most of these fronts, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is for everything. This is for like gasoline and using crude oil for to power things and. And everything, it all comes from the source. And I right. think that if the reason that these things are so expensive is because they're done on such a microscopic level, it's not scaled. Right. So if you have a beet farm that's just for dyeing shirts right. <laughs> that color, right. Right. you know what I mean? It becomes a lot cheaper yeah. and a lot more efficient. The reason, well, you know. And I think a lot of it's on the consumer, though, as well, right? Cause, 100%. Because, you know, and living in like the world of Walmarts and Costcos and things like that where and living in a world where where shit is just uh so easy to get, right? Like one of the lessons in doing like online fulfillment and stuff is people want their their shit like in fifteen minutes, you know? And there's this expectation that you can have whatever you want when you want it and it's gonna be exactly how you want it. Mm-hmm. And um it's a generational thing, right? Like, you know, I grew up Ordering records and and T-shirts and skateboards and stuff out of mail order catalogs, and understanding like, okay, that thing's going to take like four weeks to get here. Totally, yeah. six weeks probably because it's you, you had to know. you had to like clip it out and mail yeah. it to them with mail a check. it to them and with a check and hope, would... yeah, hope you get your shit right. <laughs> and and it's like so that's crazy, man. You know, my generation has a bit more of a understanding of the patience of it, but it's like the. I think some understanding has to come from the consumer because what happens is like, you know, the process, okay, you can have your beet farm that's raising those beets to just dye something, right? But the problem is, all right, so you get a 10, like, and then you start getting successful and more people want your shit. Yeah. But it takes you seven weeks to make 400 t shirts. And then Walmart call, calls you or some, they're like, hey, like, and you want to you wanna scale your business up. Yeah. Well, you can't go out and just buy more land. Right. right? Like, that's an insane cost. Yeah. Like, so 
you know that the process, yes, like five hundred years ago, dyeing garments may have started that way, and then demand increased and population grows, and all those factors come together to mean that we have to find easier ways to do it. And that's when you get into the man-made chemicals and all that stuff because that stuff is easy. It's fast. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah, you get that shit done. And it's like, precise. I'm and it's sure precise. if you do beats, it's like there's yeah, going to be different shades. Your and shades different... are going to be all over the place. It's totally. going to be crazy. So, yeah, yeah. so part of that is like us as consumers as well. Like, and I'm guilty. Of, you you know me, dude. I love gear. Yeah, I've, I've dialed it way back, but it's like I love sneakers. I love gear. Like, I'm a whore for that shit. But. It's us dialing it back. It's like my closet's full of shit. Like I can go through my closet right now and scale it down, and, yeah. and give so much shit away. In fact, it's on the it's on the to do list. We're for like the same size, bro. Hit yeah, me up. Let me let me know. <laughs> I'll, hit, I'll hit you with some stuff. You got some you got uh, some dope shit in there, I'm sure. Uh, but it's like, but the quality's so low too. Yeah, it's, it's still like not they, necessarily they have that these great. Six dollar t-shirts online yeah. that you can order now. Yeah. And with anything you want printed on it. With anything you want. All that. Yeah. So I got a dope ass Berenstein Bears right. t shirt. So cool. And it fits like shit. Yep. And it's poor quality material. Mm. And I'm probably just going to take it to the Goodwill. And you probably got it in a week. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. If not, yeah. like sooner. Yeah. So it's just a balance between, you know, between the consumer's expectations and what people want to offer. And I think, you know, taking it back to what I do and, you know, I make T-shirts. That's my. That's what I do. It's like I make merchandise for music festivals and events and shit like that. So, taking it back to what I do is like I always have a keen eye for quality of of goods, and I work pretty closely with a lot of the blank manufacturers I work with. I've gotten people to change colorways. I've gotten people to change the way they construct things. Like you know, buying power, you know, helps. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and I think part of it is like the expectation of the consumer and the expect and the expectation of profit for the people making it right. that needs to meet somewhere in the middle now, right? Because yeah. if you keep scaling down, you know, you want your margins to increase on the other side, so on you know, the production side. At the same time, like your customer is going to be keep expecting things to happen like like that and, and get you stuff. There's a there's a great brand out of New York. Um, Called Noah, and he, Brandon, you, the guy who runs it, used to he was the lead designer for Supreme, mm. and he had done Noah before Supreme, and then left Supreme to relaunch Noah. And he's got a great blog on his website where he talks about why his stuff costs what it does. Interesting. And he goes into depth about like, well, I source my cotton from here; it's sewn here, you know, it's quality. We use these buttons, and all of this. Um, comes to this cost, and then I'm selling it to you for that, so I can pay for the people who build this website and run my stores and do those things. And he lays it out really well in a really clear and concise way, Damn. so that you have an understanding of what it takes to make some of these things and why they cost so much. Um, How much is a shirt from him? I mean, a t-shirt's like thirty-five bucks, That's forty bucks. Bad. A hoodie's like one twenty, right? Yeah. Um, I know the hoodie people that he uses, and they're they're legit. They're from Canada. They're rad. Um, but yeah, and he has some higher end shit too. And it's like it's someone who's doing it that way, which is what I sort of look at from what I'm doing. Is like I want to bring a little bit more of that level of thought and consideration into concert T-shirts and like the merch I do. Yeah, whether it's just from like a graphic standpoint or. What blanks I use, or if I'm creating a blank from scratch, which I've had to do before, and totally, you know, it's again, it's like 
consumers expect a certain thing, but also you got to understand that it's going to take some time and it's going to cost you a little bit more. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, Amazon ruined it for everybody. Yeah, they really did. Because they they just this and this conversation's all over the place, but they just kind of like they made it too easy. Yeah, the expectation now is yeah. just out of control. Yeah, it's and I'm guilty, just as guilty. It's like I want my my headphones tomorrow. Yeah, I mean yeah. these are this is an Amazon shirt right here. I mean, I've been I've been really doing the the uh, Steve Jobs shit lately, where I just I just wear blank T-shirts, black yeah. black or white T-shirt, some jeans, black jeans, <laughs> and I pick out a pair of shoes that I want to wear. Right, you know what I mean. Right. Just kind of goes with it. I think I think style's still super important though. You it know is, what I mean? It's it like um, it's one of the things I've noticed in in music merchandising, like. Generation before mine were and and my generation were super into like concert posters, right? They wanted that super high end poster. I had a conversation with with someone about this yesterday, and they're like, "How do posters do for you?" And I'm like, "They don't do well at all anymore." Really? Yeah, not not like Damn. you would think. Yeah. And uh, part of it is because our generation, not our generation, but the younger generation now, has been raised at this point on. On Instagram, Facebook, photo sharing, image sharing—they live in their phone. Yeah. yeah, and curating like everyone. Everyone is their own brand now, right? Yeah, and for better or worse, whatever it is, I'm not gonna—I'm not that old guy where I'm like, oh, back in my day. <laughs> no, no, it's like this is what society is. It's like that's yeah, yeah. how things change, and and if you don't want to understand it, then it's just going to be foreign to you. So, and what I noticed was like. With a kid who buys a Coachella shirt, right? A Coachella poster you put on your wall, and all your friends have to come over to see your poster on your right. wall, and it's a static thing, right? It stays there. <laughs> There's no context other than I went to Coachella, I bought a poster, it's on my wall. But you have a T-shirt, right? You have a hat, like you have your Supreme gear, you have, you know, whatever wild shit um, you're wearing. Like I DJed an event with Chinatown Market and like those kids. Yeah. Like they bring another level because it's a customization level to it. And now you can take combine your lifestyle, right? Like I'm out at this party wearing my Coachella shirt. So now you know that I go to this party and wear my Coachella shirt. Right. You know, and it's part of who you're it's defining like yourself. Your billboard. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And and it's like this is how I want the world to see me. Yeah. Whereas like that poster you have to bring the world inside to see it Interesting. with a t-shirt and a photograph that you tran- you put out into the world you're pushing yourself out into the world Interesting. and you're not waiting for people to come to you Interesting. and so once posters it was about 4 years ago that posters just started dropping and they used to be like gold Damn. you know um, and i sort of finally got my head wrapped around it about 2 years ago i was just like yeah that's what it is the mentality like, yeah. yeah and it's the mentality of of younger kids it's like like we said at the beginning, I'm 45 years old, right? Yeah. I'm designing shit for 24 year olds. <laughs> I have to know, like, like that's probably the hard, single hardest part of my job is like being a 45 year old dude who's like trying to figure out what a 24 year old girl wants to buy. You just have to be open and and try to, you know, you. It seems like you're doing a good job. Right. You just got to understand where well, they're coming from. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about on the way over was like, you know, the process of creativity, right? Like. Mm-hmm. And you deal with it all the time, right? So you're you're a very creative person. Um, I used to be way more creative, and now it's like I just want to grow bonsai trees and tie dye my old Supreme <laughs> shirts, right? Like, totally. Uh, but the thing, you know, in my position, I do a lot of 
I'm a creative director a lot of the times because I'm not on, in Photoshop designing every graphic. I'm not, you know, what I'm doing is like, okay, cool. It's like, I like this guy's artwork, right? And I need to put together a package of ideas that that person can take and interpret and give me back what I want. Right. Right. So that's, that's the challenge in creative direction. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, and if there's anybody listening to this that's hiring artists or talking to artists, you need to trust the people that you're hiring. Yeah. Because otherwise, what's the fucking point? Right? Amen. So, so one of my biggest things is like, all right, like all I'm big on reference decks and like reference materials and I can and I trust that most people I can say like, hey man, I want this to have like a you know, a lighthouse record, seventies Jamaica dub. Hand-drawn ca- cartoon, you know, uh, in fine style kind of vibe, where it's like rough around the edges, kind of shitty, hand-drawn, you know. Mm-hmm. And I will find the artist that can interpret that properly, right? I, I want this to feel like a deadhead ripoff, but yeah, but throw some tech on it or something, like just little ideas like that. And it's like, but at the same time, it's like if you're hiring hiring an artist and you know that artist and enough about them, you also should be able to know that they have their own lens as well, and that's the reason why you're bringing them in, mm-hmm. right? So you I, find people try to micromanage artists too much. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's something like I hate being micromanaged. Like I like to just flow. It's like I have my own processes for everything. If you trust me, great. And it's one of the biggest headaches I have at my job. It's like people want somebody. Somebody wants like wants to crowdsource. Designs. I'm like, we're not crowdsourcing things, yeah. Because then you lose your point of view, mm-hmm. right? So you put your point of view together, and then you get feedback, but you don't just throw out a call. Like I think a mistake a lot of people make on the creative side is they don't have a point of view, but they think they do, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just a scatterbrain thing. And then when you just try and distill it down and give them what they want, they're like, "That's not what I want." Um, it, it, it's a challenge, but like. Yeah, please just trust your creative people. 100%. Like trust the artists. Like understand that that they're going to put their best foot forward. Like I am I rarely edit people's shit. That's dope. I'm like, give me ten things. Like what does it cost me for, for twelve designs and a round of edits? And people will be like, Oh, it's X amount of dollars. I'm like, Great, you got it. Yeah. Comes back, I'm like That one, that one. Give that me the one. yeah, those and not, can I fuck with the colors? Yeah. Okay, cool. Totally. You know. Yeah. And it's simplifying things. Like everyone thinks that everyone thinks they can do it and everyone thinks it's fun and easy. But it's actually really fucking hard work. Yeah. There's and a lot that goes into it, man. People you know, the the just the the crunching of the numbers for all the different processes and things you need to do on the back end of the production and the sales of the merchandise. Not the design, right. not the creative, yeah. not the, the operation cool side. Yeah, 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 the operation yeah. side and the logistics side is insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's I mean, that's the that's that's the crazy part, right? Like yeah. that's where and that's why I get like uh, I get I get pissed when people start trying to talk about bringing analytics into creative and mm-hmm. and there's a space for it, right? Like I had a guy who wanted to look at years of data and basically he he condensed it down to to where like oh man blue t-shirts don't sell that well 
so we shouldn't do any blue t-shirts. That's insane. Right? That's and insane, dude. There's a one, it's one thing to be like posters are not right, selling as right, much right. as they used to. So right. let's and ha- and have off. and understand the reason behind it. But it's like yeah, yeah. Well, but you're you, you're losing the aesthetic of the festival or the event or the brand or, or the brand just because you know you're what like, I mean. I don't want to do. Come and, yeah. and there's 20 different designs and there's no cohesion. People right. are just going to be people. Yeah. They don't know what they're going to. And it's a buy. point of view. Yeah. But so like because you do a lot of design and stuff for people, mm-hmm. right? And you're doing graphics like. Mm-hmm. Do you get frustrated with at times? Because you you're always like you're super yeah. level. Like yeah, I get frustrated. There's I mean, there's clients that trust you, like you were saying, right. where you send them some shit and you're like, hey, this is this is the design. This is what it means. Right. This is what we're trying to translate with this. You know, because at the end of the day, it's a communication. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they're just like, fuck yeah, yeah, that's so cool, and and they smile, and that's like the dream. Yeah, client right there, yeah. and then there's clients where they don't really know what they want. They don't really know the communication. They and I think most of the problem it, it comes down to two things: it's communication and overthinking. Mm. Um, if you look at a design and your initial reaction is, "Well, that's pretty cool," then it's fucking cool. Yeah, you don't have to yeah. be like, oh, I don't know, like you're saying, like, is the blue gonna sell? Like, yeah, like you're yeah. gonna ruin it. Yeah. You're gonna completely fucking yeah. ruin it. You know, so it's. But communication is a massive thing because yeah. a lot of people don't know what they want. Right. And they're trying to explain to you what they want when they don't know what they want. Right. And that's when you end up with 20 revisions and frustration. And that's a skill as well, right? From, yeah. from the artist and from the creative side to have is to be able to take what someone is telling, what someone is trying to get across. Like they, you know, a lot of work and a lot of, working on on things that and a music festival is a perfect thing because there's so many different aspects to it right and i always equate it to languages right everyone speaks different languages right like a guy who builds a stage speaks a different language than the guy who does food and beverage speaks a different language than yep. the guy who makes the t-shirts speaks a different language than the security people um and the same is going to be the same thing is going to happen when you're dealing with not even a, you're probably not even dealing with creative directors because if they have a creative director, they've already got, they should have a creative team that's doing a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're dealing with someone who is a lay person in terms of how to design the, the terms around designing. You know, they don't know what kerning means. They don't know what a drop shadow is. They're just like, so they're just going to throw out references that they understand in their language. Mm-hmm. And you have to like decode it, right? Hundred percent. And it's something that I've learned doing festivals. It's like, all right, like I've had to learn a lot about how to how to build a festival tent. Like I have to know what a keter is. I have to know <laughs> meters to feet. I have to know what eight foot legs do versus twelve foot legs versus ten. You know what I mean? And like how all these things affect everything. And I'm seven. I'll be eight years into this, and I'm still learning stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know, man. When we had a uh, when we had a twenty foot tent, we were selling more shirts than we were <laughs> when we had a thirty foot tent. Yeah, so well, we should probably use this type of tent and not use blue if yeah. we want to sell shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no blue shirts, twenty foot tent. We're we're done here. Forty eight designs. <laughs> so how does the, how does the whole process work from when you first start on you know say a Coachella or a, a festival? Right. To when you're actually on site setting up the booth, like where do the ideas come from, and like where does all that start? I 
so I'll just use Coachella as the example because that is the one, the one show that I am from design to execution on site. Like one hundred percent, I do it all. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my process starts usually right about now. I start thinking about. Um, I start with colors because I always start with design process first, right? Like getting and getting my head around what direction I want the design story to go, what reference points I want, right? Like, and is this coming from the general brand identity of the show, like off rip? Because we're no. we're in. I mean, Coachella just happened, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so this is so it's we're in year, June, a year out, basically. You're yeah, starting on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of like. So it's not the new color palette for next year. You're just kind of like, what do I want to communicate? Yeah, as, as, no, I'm starting on, yeah. I'm starting like, what what colors do I feel? Like, what? And a lot of it's based on just, I go, dude, I walk up and down Fairfax. I'll go, trending, yeah. Yeah, I'll go to, I'll go to shows. Um, one of my biggest touchstones is Cam Flogna, Tyler. Yep. Like, his vibe is great. That mm-hmm. dude's got a shit ton of style. Um, he expresses himself extremely well. You get his point of view. He's a sharp dude, really nice guy. Like, love everything he does aesthetically, right? Like, yeah. he makes fantastic aesthetic choices. Like, the Igor cover is fantastic. So good. It's like, you know, if you know the references you get, it's like Grace Jones. It's fucking wild 70s gay punk stuff. And yeah. it's rad, right? Yeah. It's like great. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, uh, that's crazy, <laughs> and it's rad. Yeah. Like I love it, and um, and that may not be what he's trying to get across, but that's what I'm taking from it. You know what I mean? And and I think that that's yeah. another important thing to think about too is, you know, the consumer or the customer or even the admirers' position and what you're putting out there is what are they gonna? What do you want them to take from it? But also, what can they take from it? Um, which can be hand, a bit of a handcuff, but I can I have examples that I can get into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'm I just start with it's a general overall like vibe like which sounds really corny, but it's like what colors am I feeling? What colors are popping? What colors are available that I can get? Hmm. Um, you know, I have my Touchstone brands like No is one of them. Uh, you know, whatever Supreme is doing, everyone pays attention to anyway. Um, you know, I dig in a little bit deeper, like some Asian stuff. I'm not going to give you all my secrets, but yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. some stuff. But like, just looking for general inspiration. Yeah, general inspiration. Yeah. So that process starts now. Like it's happening in my brain now, and then uh, within that, now I start. You know, because everything we do is so graphic heavy, except for this year. I dialed a lot of that back, but um, I'm going to bring it back next year. So, uh, and I start. You know. Instagram is the best tool. Yep. You know, if you're a creative and you have a rad Instagram and your designs are on Instagram, and I see them and I like them, you're gonna get a DM. I'm sl- I'm sliding in, <laughs> sliding in there, guys. Head fucking first. <laughs> and I I will drop that I work for Coachella. Hey, I heard you were popping. Yeah. <laughs> like your shit. Yeah, like your shit. <laughs> but honestly, like I've gotten so many good designers. I bet from that from Instagram where I'm just like, yo, I love your stuff, and built relationships with some of these people too, and. And so I start to, I just develop the point of view that I want to get across, right? And I'm, I'm alone in this process. Like I'm, I'm doing this on my own. I don't get, I don't get a, like the directives I get from the producers of the festival are minimal. It's like, no, we don't want the logo so big this year. Like things like that, mm-hmm. right? And so I try and incorporate that into it. Um, 
I definitely try and like do musical references, like things that that I can then explain to them. Like, you know, for example, we had this design this year. It was an oval, had like a rainbow colored, just said Coachella in it, and it was, uh, and it was a nod to like '90s, the '90s Manchester scene. Mm. You know, Happy Mondays, Oasis, that kind of stuff, and. At first, the producers like uh, this. No, like throw it away. And I was like, well, wait a second. Like, I want to explain where it's from, where it came from, yeah. and have a story behind it. And that got them way more interested. So, I spend a lot of my time now building what those references are going to be, which I then can hand off to designers and start the approval process. And and you know, like we're with the show being in April, Chinese New Year's in February. So if I want to get stuff made overseas, I have to get that ball rolling. Mm. Like. September, October. Damn. So, with some of the vendors I use, um, a lot of stuff's moving out of China now. Though Bangladesh is really popping. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, Bangladesh is popping. Um, uh, Mexico is super strong right now for for producing stuff. But getting all those eggs in a basket. Right now, yeah. all these tariffs get cracking. <laughs> no, no, they those are good. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's it. Would that, be, it would be super cool to produce. Some content around what you're talking about, right? I think it'd be amazing because yeah. because I don't know if a lot of people that go buy merch at Coachella would even put that together, like the rainbow and where it came from, right. and the history that goes into that. Yeah. Kind of like the Tyler thing you were talking about too. Yeah, it's like it's like, like people don't people don't and not and listen, not everyone's super interested in it. It's it's interesting to me. Like I love pro, like I said, I'm a process guy. I love processes. Yeah. Like I'm like yo, like how can we make this check in process better? Like what would I do in this situation? So, but it goes back to what you were talking about with uh, wearing it as a billboard, you know, mm-hmm. and and the kids now and the, this next generation. Right. They, they, I think that they would be really interested in that because it's going to help them understand what they're expressing and communicating even more. Right. You know what right. I mean? When they're at a party, they're yeah. like, nice Coachella shirt. Yeah. yeah and they're yeah. going to be like, well, actually, it's a nod to the Manchester. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like it, it'll give them like some, some. Or it was designed by this artist 100%. who had, and this is his. And, you know, 100%. I do that. Uh, yeah. We'll do that at. Um, Around the show, when we, you know, we'll we'll do photos. We tag who the artist is who designed things. There's a yeah. great guy, uh, Jeremy Dean, who's a buddy. He's done some stuff for us in the past, and he's like that dude is. He's he worked for House Industries back in the day. That guy's a legend and. Dude, I want, I want to design some shit for Coachella this year. You should, dude. Just so, submit some shit. I'll yeah. send I'll send you some references that I want to fuck with. Super and, down. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah. that's the, that's the thing. It's like so I sort of bury myself in that over the summer, and then I get into the analytics and the numbers side once I once I get I get all that out in the world and say this needs to start moving, and then I can bury down like work with some financial analysts and some people that are a lot smarter than I am. Um, you know, I have a retail background from. My first job, I was in seventh summer of seventh after seventh grade. I worked at a, like uh, what's the? It was called the Pro Image. It was like a store where you go to buy like starter jackets and hats and shit, <laughs> and it just had all the sports gear. And uh, I just was like, all I did was like open boxes and count them as they came in, yeah. and that was my job. And Your I would, inventory, dude. I was just like, yeah. dude, James, go count all that shit and go stock all this and sweep and and. From that day, it's like I've either done music or or retail or now a combination of all of it. Like there was one brief moment where I was uh, I was project managing for a guy who owns restaurants and hotels and doing build outs, but that also helped, right? So yeah, 
So I know enough about retail and how to order and all those things. But one of the one of the issues I've run into in my career is that I do a lot by feel, right? Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, you can't necessarily do that anymore. Like everyone needs to see it laid out. And so one of the things I learned is to, and it goes back to trust. It's like I'm working with you know a kid fresh out of USC who's the Excel master and knows how to analyze numbers and, and, and do those things. And it's like, so I've put my trust in him. I'm like, I will tell you if something feels weird, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and, but the opposite side is like, he's now having to trust me that I'm like, I have gut feelings about these things, right? right. Like, we had a show where we went at it because I was just like, dude, we need more than this. We're going to sell out too soon. And he's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And crazy. So and, he's, he's running on like, uh, the like previous years. Yeah, so it's just and data stuff. and yeah. you know, when I started in this business, we weren't even the year before I started, they didn't even use a point of sale system. They were just using just cash aprons and they had like three credit card machines for eighty thousand people. I'm like, you guys Crazy. are insane. Yeah. You know? And uh so now it's like we have data going back Six years of exactly how many larges we've sold, how many hoodies we've sold, all that stuff. Wow. And there, you know, there's variables that change it. Um, you know, one of the variables that changes it is what's in fashion, right? Like, like five years ago, I couldn't sell a pullover hoodie, mm-hmm. and now it's like that's all anybody wants. Yep. You know. Yeah. Like people are like, you sell long sleeve T-shirts in the desert. I'm like, I, I have the last four years. <laughs> yeah. You know what I a mean? Lot. Like, and but that's the kind of stuff that you have to pay attention. I'm gonna right. gonna do like the male belly crop shirts next. Male. We do crops, dude. not for guys. Though. <laughs> I, dude, I just yeah. Everyone's in shape now, though. It's weird. That's what I mean. I got like my kids, abs kids popping first, but dude, kids are in shape. Hey, man, I'm that. That's why I'm I'm running marathons now, dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, dude, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm so doing cool. Long Beach in October. Let's go. Like full marathon. Yeah. What? Yeah. I oh, did. you just did a full marathon. Yeah, I did LA. Yeah, I'm I gonna, thought it was a half for some reason. No, I'm doing. That's uh, wild, dude. I'm gonna do. Uh, uh, Long Beach in October, and then I'm going to do LA again in March. That's crazy. I'm just going to try and do two a year. That's so cool. Until, How far are you running each day, or like it's a week? weekly thing? Like yeah. when I'm like I'm starting to get my legs back, um, but at my peak, I'm doing like 40 a week. Damn. Yeah. That's dope. It's crazy. Yeah, it's but good. It, it changes your body. I mean, I'm just glad I can do it. Yeah. You know, that's why I look good. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Truth. I but, thought you were 43. No. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, two years. Thanks. So the design process, and then you basically just figure out uh, how many you want to print, and then, mm-hmm. and then get and them then printed. It, it, yeah, and then it's like, you know, we also do like some custom things. We've done cut and sew things. I work with people who, again, are way more versed in the actual like pattern making and those kinds of things and dye houses and stuff um, to... Help meet the vision in my head, right? Like, yeah, and yeah, it's we go into the the production process, and the production process, like for T-shirts, it's super simple, right? Like, you know, we make, I don't know, I think we we landed seventy five thousand total pieces first weekend to Damn. sell, and uh, and so 
that process, like just screen printing T-shirts, and you know, we did some embroidery on sweatshirts and that kind of stuff. That lead time is pretty reasonable. It's like if I get that, you know, you can get that going in February and have it by April first, you're fine. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's the stuff like, you know, all right, we did this custom like windbreaker that folds into a fanny pack. Damn, and that was in Mexico, and that's like a ninety-day lead time, right? So, wow. so no one, you're, no one else, and you know they're working on the festival, but no one's really thinking like, if I don't get this done, you know, if I don't get this done the week before Christmas, we're not going to have it at the show, right? Because so far, yeah, like so my timeline. How the fuck does that work when you're designing? So you have a jacket that you were saying that folds mm-hmm. into a fanny pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they? So you design that? You conceptualize it? You get it designed? Yeah. Send it to the to the printer. They send you a prototype. Yeah, they'll send us samples. Or a few samples. Sa- they'll send me a sample. Um, some stuff I'm happy to just like approve off a photo. Really? Yeah, Whew. that's rare, but yeah, it's risky. You know, sometimes it's like the time doesn't let you. You know. Yeah. And samples aren't cheap. I'll tell everyone who asks for like, I need samples. I need a you sample. You pay for the samples? I'm like, yes, man. Whoa. All right, so let me. You want to know how much how a t shirt can cost, like two hundred dollars? Mean yes. Please. Okay. Damn. So, so you have your screens, right? Like screen printing, it's like each color on a design is a separate screen. Okay. Okay. So each one of those screens, you're going to get charged for, right? Yeah. So say you have a four color screen, right? Which is a layer of paint, basically. Yes, yeah, a layer okay. of paint, basically. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah. you're so. I, it's we can't do this visually over a, a podcast, but like, you know, you have your four screens, right? Yeah. So you have a four color design. Um, each one of those screens is probably going to cost you, I don't know, like fifty bucks, let's say, mm-hmm. right? So that's two hundred dollars right there for the sample. Yes, we're, we're talking about yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So this for the sample. Yeah. Um, so that's two hundred dollars right there, and then you got to pay the setup fee, like thirty bucks, let's call it. So that's two hundred thirty bucks, and then. You know, oh, I want to do a back hit too. So that's another location. So that's a location charge. That's another thirty bucks because you have to set up the screen for the back. And like, you know, maybe you're using an element from the front screen, so you're not. I'm I'm going to let you slide. So, and then your blank cost. You know, if you do it on a blank and they don't have the blank, you got to buy the blank. And the blank for one blank is probably going to be like seven or eight bucks. Yeah. So Damn. that's that's the sample cost. And when people are like, I want samples of all the stuff, and then I'll make my decision. I'm like, well, you're going to spend way too much fucking money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where you trust the people that you bring in. Yep, and you let them for sure help you make this decision. Yeah, um, a client I just had a meeting with yesterday. They want to sample everything, and I was like, okay, it's expensive. I'm like, luckily you're doing one color designs, and they're like, yeah, they're like, we know it's expensive. It's fine. And I know that they have the money, and it's not going to hurt them. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, we'll if do. If it your works, samples. it works. Yeah. How do, so how do all these t-shirt companies online that are printing like one-off custom shirts for you know twenty five, thirty five dollars or something? A lot of it's so a lot of it's it's not screen printed. It's, it's just like yeah, it's, it's heat press. A lot, okay. a lot of it's heat press, which is super sense. cheap, or yeah. uh, DTG, which is direct garment printing, mm. um, which is rapidly improving. Um, it will overtake screen printing. How is, is that like an iron-on situation? It's basically a printer that prints on T-shirts. Oh shit! Yeah. Kind of like the guns they have at the uh, at Chinatown has those Chinatown. guns. Yeah, Chinatown Market totally. has those guns. Um, but like this a, is a but big it's a, machine. It's that a does big that. machine that does it, and they have some four uh, four position machines. So it's like they can do a run. You know, they're just it's got four four basically body molds on it that you can throw a shirt on. 
and That's then dope. just passes That's through. Cool. It's really impressive. It's really expensive, but when you're doing the volume that like a custom ink or one of those like yeah. Those sites do. They're so shitty. The quality, but they're so shitty. So shitty, yeah. right? Right now, I've, yeah. It's but it's, it's got to be improving. It yeah. will get better. But also go down. But he he press shirts are like boardwalk shirts, right? Like so, you go to like they're super prevalent back east, or you go to like Hollywood, right? And you see those those dudes have all those. I'm like, how are you making money on those shirts? I'm like, yeah, well, they keep like four in stock, and they've got their cousin in the back just heat pressing more as they run out. Damn. Yeah, but there's. He press is even getting better. Uh, uh, some friends of mine, Free Design LA, they're part of Lot, Stock, and Barrel, and they do. Uh, they just did the event with Chinatown Market, and they do these heat press sheets. And we did them in Coachella this year. They're rad. It's almost like tattoo flash. Hmm. So it's like a bunch of little designs on a sheet, and it's heat press material, and you can place it wherever you want on the shirt, and you can design it however you want, and it adds like yet another layer to the. I'm special. I have my Coachella shirt at this club. Well, yeah. now I have my Coachella shirt that I designed that no one else has at this club, dude. Like, and it's a ne- it's a different level of like, yeah, engagement with with people. And, and it's not for everybody. You know, you've got those customers that are just like, I just want to grab the shirt with the lineup on it and get out. And those are fine. And they're they're frankly the bread and butter. They make all the money for me. Really? But, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Dude, line anything with like. The biggest selling shirt is always the one with the lineup on it, and then the second biggest selling shirt is the other one with the lineup on it. Crazy! I'm so anti, dude. That's yeah. like the last shirt I would buy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. going in there, I would just be like, "Let me get that hipster shit right there. Yeah. Let me get that one with that the blue. weird rodeo clown on it. That's <laughs> exactly. blue. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. So after the show, are you guys? Is there a Coachella store that was like year round, or is no? It, or like, mm. what happens to all the shit after you're if you don't sell something? Like, so, we've gotten really good at buying. So we've gotten it down to like there is there's not much left over. Like, I mean, you know, there's maybe I mean, and this sounds insane, but there's like three thousand pieces left over, which sounds insane, but that's still like a ninety two percent sell through. Yeah. So, and sell through is important because you want it. You never want to. No one running a festival or a concert ever wants to sell out. Like there's a there's a term in the business. No zeros. Really? I don't see zeros. I got, you want to leave the show with one of everything because that means you sold everything you possibly could to everybody. Yeah. Um, oh, from a customer satisfaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you didn't yeah. leave any money on the table. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So, with the stuff after, what we do is we sell through the app and ship to home. And people seem to love it. You know, we can sell to people who aren't at the festival that way. Mm-hmm. If you have the app, you can buy it. Um, and then, so what I do is pull some of that to fulfill some of those orders, and then we just bring it back next year. We do a big like cash grab and camping with whatever's left, oh, and shit. then for company Christmas parties and all the dudes that work in Indio, I just take care of them. That's dope. You know, yeah. those dudes work hard. Like I think that's the craziest thing <laughs> yeah, about so about Coachella is like people don't realize. That it is, we are working on that thing year round, mm-hmm. and it is a monster. Like it's crazy. Um, I always equate it to like Disneyland. You yeah, know, it's, it's Disneyland that's open six days a year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It always needs upkeep. Yep. There's characters running around working all the time and shit. And RTB full of people. <laughs> Dude, Richard, dude. <laughs> yeah, man, Richard. Like, like there's just the, it's 
It's amazing, man. It's something that I would see. I would love to see someone come out and talk to the people that work on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not at the level of like the booking and the. You know, I think that that story's been told, and it's going to keep getting told, and absolutely, and that's fine. But I think that there's such there's an, a really interesting story to be told about the people who behind the scenes make all these things happen. Um, you know, and and just how how much of themselves, you know, how mm-hmm. much because look, man, the money. No one's doing like I'm not doing this for the money. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like there there isn't it's not there. So. Yeah, you're not gonna become a multimillionaire no, from exactly like yeah. I'm. No one's no one's getting rich working at Coachella. Yeah. You know, maybe two people. Yeah. Um, but to get an understanding of why it works and why it's so great, to talk to those people, it's like, why do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like answer that question. It's like, and I ask myself that every. To, Three times a day when I'm out there, you know, I live, I live out there for a month. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Yeah. yeah, but I live. You know, I. It's tough, man. Yeah, I'm away from my family. Like I have a six year old daughter. I have a wife. I moved to the desert for a month. Yeah, you know, my wife is an interior designer. She's very busy. She can't come out there for the month with me. My daughter's in school. Mm-hmm. She can maybe come out a couple of days during the month. And then I'm just so busy out there that it doesn't matter if they're there because I won't get it to see It doesn't matter them. at all. Yeah. You're just yeah. And you're just focused on you're it. You're done. So, yeah. so as much as I bitch and moan about, fuck, the money sucks. Fuck this. God, I'm out here again. I still do it. Yeah. You well, know it's, what I mean? It's the, it's, like, I mean there's I a sense of pride. There's a I sense guess. of pride. There's a sense of family and community. And there's also... You know, you're not gonna. You're probably not gonna be doing it forever. No. And when you come out of it, from my from my experience, you're just so like honed in, man. Yeah. Like if I do any other event or anything else in my life, there's there's two things that have impacted me as much as as Coachella. Well, Coachella being one of them, and then interning at a recording studio right. and just getting shit on for right. like a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. just learn. So much about yourself, about the world, about how things work, about processes, and just yeah, man. Like you come out of working with Golden Voice and Coachella, and you're just like, I can do anything. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and not, I'm not even gonna like. A lot of people call it like the industry standard. It's not like no, no, because it's the top, man. It's, it's just the, the it's just the biggest and most ambitious. Mm-hmm. Not, I wouldn't even call it the most ambitious. The shit that EDC does out in Vegas with like yeah. those stage builds and stuff, that's insanity. That shit's nuts. But I think it, it is the most, it's the best quality festival, mm-hmm. right? And everyone breaks their back to do it. It's the, you know, I always say, and I've worked plenty of other shows and, you know, I've seen behind the scenes of plenty of other shows and, you know, we're kind of spoiled too. Dude, 100%. Because we. You ever try to get something in another festival? Oh, you're dude. like, I need gaff tape. Let me go yeah. talk to Quartermaster. And Quartermaster's yeah. like, what? Yeah. What do you need? I don't, yeah. What is this? Home Depot? Go get yeah. it. Yeah. Like, and everyone, that. everyone's attitude is super <laughs> shitty yeah. and just like. You go to Quartermaster, you need something at Coachella. Everybody's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, how are you, buddy? What's up, man? Yeah. You need, let's make it happen. Yeah, you know? we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, the thing is, too, is like everyone at this point knows that that show. That everyone has a job to do, and everyone's job affects something. Yeah, you know, it's like one of the crazy things about the merchandise thing is like 
we're literally the first thing you see when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the absolute first thing you see when you walk into that fucking festival. And it's like, it's super important that that experience goes well because that's where a lot of people start their show. Yeah. You know, and people just running in straight to the merch booth. Dude, you should have seen it this year. It was wild, man. Really? It's yeah. like the first thing. Like First not- thing, dude. People just jammed it. Wow. Like we, our tent was like 120. No, it's more than that. 50 meters. So yeah, like almost 165 feet Damn. by 60 feet. And it was just full. Wow. Like doors, bam, full. Crazy. All right, so do you guys see a lot of resale? So there, like, is it like streetwear culture? Well, you're, you're not for in. not for the Coachella stuff. Really, the Coachella stuff. People, that's interesting. I always joke that I make gym clothes, right? Like people <laughs> always wear it to the gym. Like I, I have this running thing every time I'm in the airport. Yeah, I will, especially LA, obviously. But uh, I even at other airports around the country, it's like I see a Coachella shirt. Yeah, like never fails. I will see a Coachella something. Um, but no, we don't get that as much because our stuff. It's not, I guess it's edgy, fashion forward, you know, it is limited. But the people that buy it are buying it because they want it. Mm-hmm. There's, I would say, little value in the reselling of it because I make a ton of it too. True, you know? true, true. And there's two weekends to buy it. Yeah. Um, but when you have an artist like, so like Kid Cudi this year had this yellow, this gold, Bright gold sweatshirt that Cactus Plant Flea Market did the design for, and she's popping. Like Kanye boosted her, Pharrell's boosted her. I think Pharrell was the first one to really give her that boost. And you know, there's so like fashion music and everything so interwoven now that that became the thing. So there were dudes like buying eight of the sweatshirts and selling them to the people that were standing in line. No way. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. And then we had. Kanye the Sunday service stuff. That shit was nuts, man. And yeah, that shit was nuts. <laughs> God. Um, so the Kanye stuff comes in, and were you guys in charge? Like, yeah, I had to operate it. Yeah, I had to operate that. Wow. And I had a separate tent out by the service. The service was amazing. Yeah. Like I love that thing. I I just loved. Now I can go on a full on tangent about that, and I will because fuck it, I have a microphone in front of me. <laughs> uh, so the. Pump the brakes on the merch thing. The Kanye thing was so, it, it struck me in a lot of ways. The main one being it was his journey through music, right? So if you watch it from the beginning, they're warming up the crowd, the band's playing, and they're playing like Stevie, they're playing the Gap Band, they're playing like old gospel tunes that, that none, none of those white people in that audience fucking knew. <laughs> and uh, and they start start there and start, Flowing, and then you know they get into some like early '80s R&B, you know, some bangers, some hits, and then there's like this weird moment comes up, and I had to like stop and just be like, "Wait, what?" And it was like, well, first they they covered "Soul to Soul," mm-hmm. right? They did "Keep on Moving," and then they went into this little bit of like Chicago house, right? Crazy. And I that's when it clicked. I was like, "Oh, I get it now." It's Kanye's taking us through his journey. Yeah. Like he started his wow. parents playing like the Stevie and the Gap Band and all the all the barbecue hits, as I like to call them, right? Like totally. that's that's my DJ wheelhouse. And and then takes us through when he started discovering the stuff he liked and then being from Chicago, that Chicago house touch, like soul to soul, like was bopping in house clubs. Like and so it it really kind of 
changed my view of him as an artist to a point where I was, and I'm just diagnosing him as like a like a fucking rookie, as basically as an old man who's lived a lot of life. But <laughs> but it felt like a way for him to clear because his newest stuff has been kind of shitty. Yeah, it has. you know what I mean. Yeah, the yeah. poop to scoop thing was just a joke. The little pump thing was like, come on, man, that's like a throwaway track. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, but it felt like he was clearing his decks. He's like, this is who I've been. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he's obviously like dealing with mental health issues. He, if you watch the David Letterman thing, he talks about being bipolar and being mm-hmm. when he, what it's like when he's on his meds, what it's like when he's not on his meds. So he's on meds? He admitted that he was and then he's not. And then he, sometimes he takes them, sometimes he doesn't. And huh. So the crazy thing is like, like now I understand him as an artist a little bit more where it's like he hit a block and then being on antidepressants and things like that, it like softens all the edges and part of what makes him great are those edges, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I almost feel like the Sunday service thing was a, is a way for him to deal with a lot of like where's my creativity coming from and like just rewinding that tape of his life. Because when you get to a point, like you got to think about it. When you're you're coming up as an artist, you're inspired by everything, man. You're just like, oh, I'm so inspired and I have all these heroes and stuff. But then what happens when you meet all your heroes and you you surpass them and then you're on the top and you're the tastemaker. And and you're you're the hero. You're the hero. You're setting the precedent for all of the culture. Yeah. And the pressure of that, right? Like, you know, of course you're going to make poopity scoop because you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to fuck around and see if I can get away with this. Yeah. I'm I'm going to see how far I can take it. You know what I mean? And And there's part of that. And the the merch at Sunday service too, I feel like was, was sort of in that vein. It's like, Let's use this old font and just put this simple pattern on here yeah. and and sell it. To yeah, people. I, you mean, know what I mean, and and the points they were getting, like the stuff, the kind stuff that they sold, <laughs> it, it it's definitely a vibe, man. It's you know like, what I mean? Like, let's just push it out. But it's it's boundary pushing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you look at his clothing and his clothing line and stuff, and it's like, it's very simple. It's not, you know, it's not Virgil. Mm-hmm. Like Virgil's out there, man. He he's pushing envelopes all over the place. He's doing wild shit. Like yeah. Fucking zip ties on shoes, okay? Like totally. But uh, but you look at like Yeezy, and it's like muted. Mm-hmm. It's monochrome. There's no logos really, and it's like I don't know. He, I still think he's a kook. I think like you know, fame fucks with people in ways you don't always, you can't always anticipate, and it's fucked with that dude for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, I think like he's still got he's still got a shot at doing something crazy and wild and awesome. Yeah, and and he it just, just needs to come down on the roller coaster, man. He's just been yeah. on top for so long that like, yeah. what are you supposed to do, man? Like what, he just needs to like. It's almost like that dude just needs to disappear for a minute. Yeah, exactly. Like, Which just, he kind of has. Yeah, I mean, he kind of has. Yeah, a he's been low key. The Sunday service thing kind of like snuck up on people. Yeah, I'm still trying to get that invite though. <laughs> I still want to go out to the Calabasas ones. Are they just doing one? He does them every Sunday, man. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Shut the Pretty fuck much up. every Sunday that dude is doing them. No way. Yeah. yeah. And he's just playing music and shit? Yeah, it's him and that and like basically the, the church band and singers no and guests. Like And who goes to the service? Fucking everybody, like dude I mean not everybody, but like they it's invite only and yeah, you get invited. It's like dudes like John Mayer was there and Rick Rubin and wild. 
Yeah. Are they taking part in it or are they just watching They're it? They're just there. Crazy. Just hanging out. Crazy. And that's what, and that's, so like a little behind the scenes, that's what was so crazy about the thing at Coachella is he didn't, he didn't want like barricades and shit. He just wanted everyone to just hang out. Hmm. And we're like, well, that just can't happen. That's not, yeah. That's a very difficult thing to do, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, in the, in the realm of music festivals, I don't think I've ever seen anything get pulled off the way that was. It's cool, dude. It's, I mean, if I mean, anything, that was super innovative. And, so, and, but back to know. his merch, like, so he's a streetwear dude, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, resellers were buying the fuck out of that stuff and reselling it. Yeah. I got a pair of sweatpants, but they're comfortable, dude. <laughs> they better fucking be. How much were they? <laughs> they were a gift. <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, I think they were like 220 Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Those but better be some. You know, you got to pay for that cozy lifestyle, man. Dude, that, that's what I'm all about. Now. That's some Jesus fleece, bro. <laughs> that Seriously, better be, like, that better be pulled yeah. from each individual yeah. hair from a sheep. Yeah. They, they walk, they walk plucked, for you. Not shaved. Yeah, plucked. I, I think they were. Uh, I think the the blanks were done by. Uh, they were either done by Yeezy or Los Angeles Apparel, which is Dove Charney's, who used to be American Apparel's new thing. Mm. Which he's like having a moment too. His their hoodies are great. Like everyone's buying them. Huh? Yeah. What was that? Did they go out of business? What was that warehouse downtown? That was American Apparel. Yeah. So did they go yeah. bankrupt? What happened? No. Uh, <laughs> Gildan bought them. Oh. Yeah. 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 They are not tight. Or no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, was it Gildan or Haynes? One of the bigger companies bought them. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, Gildan, man. Yeah. That's like the anti swag. It, that, dude, that's gonna be the next shit. Yeah, he's gonna see, be like, "Yo, I'm printing this on Gildan." Dude, no, he already, he he already did that. <laughs> the, all the Yeezus stuff, no way. And a lot of that, like St. Pablo stuff and all that shit, like the earlier stuff, like the Yeezus stuff that uh, God, I just blanked on his name. Um, that designed it with like the Indian heads and stuff, the the super biker looking shit. Yeah, uh, that all of that was on. Gildan. It low key looks like it too. With yeah. the sleeves like coming yeah. straight off, kind of. Yeah, and like uh, super baggy super and kind of weird. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So like, yeah, we had him at FYF, right? Like he jumped in, saved the day when Frank canceled. Frank Ocean canceled that year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, boxes show up, and it's all on Gildan. Crazy. Wow. With the tags in. That's wild. Eighty dollars. Fuck it. <laughs> For a hoodie. <laughs> Hey, and guess what? <laughs> Fucking kids bought all of them. It's branding at its finest, dude. You know? Yeah, and it's and I'm surprised that he's held on so long that he can still sell to the kids, which is amazing to me. Right, and the, you know what I mean. Look, there's there is a bubble, right? Like the streetwear bubble. Like, you know, you can go on, you can go on Supreme right now and still buy shit. Mm-hmm. And four, three years ago, four years ago, that shit just didn't happen. Yeah, right? and. You know, people, I feel for this generation coming up because they have less money to spend and that shit's expensive. And, you know, I think what we're going to see is a great creative class coming out of it. Um, And you're seeing it in a lot of, like a Chinatown market's a a decent example. That kid, I think his name's Cyrus, um, New York kid, and he was just doing DIY stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like his, his early stuff was all DIY and that's, and it popped on Instagram and then he popped at like different flea markets and it grew in a real organic way. And uh, I think we're going to see more of that, more of um, just kids bubbling up. Hey man, this shirt's 30 bucks. 
like my designs are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing like like vintage and thrift stuff is having a huge moment again. You know, it was like that. It feels a lot like the early '90s. Yeah, in a, in a lot of ways, like when I was like right after high school and going to punk clubs and stuff and wearing yeah. dickies that were too short for me. Hundred percent. And it's like that whole vibe, you know, kind of being pushed out by skate culture and stuff, is really having a moment. And I think, you know, for me, when I design graphics and design shirts and stuff, it's like I'm not, I'm not just designing the shirt. It's like what what is this kid gonna wear with it? You know what I mean? Like what is like, is this going to be like, is it a frat kid that's wearing cargos with vans with socks pulled up their calves, you know, like, yeah. or just regular shorts, like that super basic, like everyday kid? Mm-hmm. Or is this the kid with like the Supreme Waist pack that's going to wear it with their fucking off white sneaker and try and like, you know, and get it, get it in that look? Or is someone going to cut it up? You know, does it have like that kind of a vibe? And, and that's another aspect of designing too. It's like you have to understand like the context of where these two people or with the lineup tee, right? Yeah. The lineup tees always are gonna have the simplest, most middle of the road logos or graphics or whatever on it because that's the one everyone wants. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things about a festival is that I mean, there's a few festivals that are a little bit more Focused in their customer, but a show like Coachella is like you have five hundred different customer profiles. Mm-hmm. If you really think about it, right? Like, hundred percent. You know, but yeah. the bulk of them are college kids. And if you go to college, like the bulk of kids in college are just—I mean, not to be a dick, but they're nerds. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're squares. They're just <laughs> normal. Like they grow up to be super normal ass moms and dads, and they don't take a lot of risks and chances. Yeah, you know they. And you have to take that into consideration. Absolutely, yeah, like yeah. you have to, you have to d- design with those people in mind on certain things. That's harsh, but true, man. But yeah, what's wrong with that? Those people should. Those, those, one of the things I've always it's like those people deserve some love too, yeah. right? Like it's not like I'm not trying to do like queer eye for the straight guy and like make these people <laughs> over. But I just want to. I think one of the cool things about Coachella is that those kids get to go there and feel cool. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like, and they still, you know, yeah, they might be cool, but like, you know, I don't know. Fraternities aren't cool. You know what I mean? But it's like when I see those dudes all show up and they're all wearing their matching, like, Hawaiian shirt and Hawaiian shorts all together. And I'm just like, they feel like this is their moment, right? 100%. Like, they're going to look back on this in 25 years and just be like, fuck, man. Yeah, we went to Coachella. We were (laughs) rad. And it's just like, you know, so. Like, give those people some lift too and give them some love. Yeah. Like, don't ignore them. Yeah, it's not all for the streetwear and shit. Yeah, and you can't, you have to be careful not to get too far out in front of people. Like, like a guy like Tyler can afford to do that. Yeah. You know, but that's then, nuts, man. So, you, I mean, like, the design choices and like trends and stuff, you have to kind of stay on par with what's like not even now. Almost right. Like, yeah. what, what was like a few months, and and designing in such a a large window before the festival. That's fucking crazy. You have to think about what's going to be popping at the point of the show when you're designing right. it, but not be too forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah, you can't it's, it's crazy. I've I've caught myself getting way too far out in front of stuff. Yeah. And I'm starting to hit a nice median like, okay, cool. Like I'm not Yeah. You know, not freaking out. I'm not like pushing the envelope too hard. And again, the 
the breadth of shit that I make. It's like I have room. It's like I can make like four designs that are just completely fucking ape shit. Yeah. And what usually will happen is one of those will pop, and I'm like, I'm sold out way too fucking soon, and I got to reprint them, and you know. Damn. But yeah, that's that's one of the biggest challenges is not not overthinking it. You yeah. know, again, you said that earlier. It's like don't a lot of people overthink these things, and it's like don't. Yeah, feel it, man. Don't get too far out in front of your skis, too. Like, yeah. like what I was gonna say about like, like at Camp Flogna, like Tyler has golf. That's his clothing line, and he can go ape shit with that. Mm-hmm. But you look at his festival T-shirts, and it is the festival logo with the lineup on the back on four different colors, and that's what you're getting. Really? Yeah. So he doesn't go crazy. Not no. Uh-uh. Wow. No, not with that stuff. He he does it with the golf stuff, and it makes total sense. But it does make sense because he can just wild out on his own. He doesn't. Exactly. He doesn't need. He to, doesn't. Yeah. 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 That's cool. But yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 excited. One of the things I'm excited about this year is to find new designers and young designers. Yeah. Um, I sort of have a, a personal initiative. I want more designers of color. I want more female designers. Yep. Um. One thing I've I've talked to a few people about is that uh, the art art as commerce, right? Art as a job is a fucking privilege and a half, mm-hmm. right? Like to be able to be like I'm going to go to art school, right? Like, well, you, you know, most <laughs> most of these kids that go to art school that are like successful artists and doing these things for a living had a decent fucking head start, mm-hmm. you know. It's rare the kid who, you know, the scholarship kid that gets through. You know, I've spoken with professors and some people about this. It's like, how do you, how do you, like, you find a kid with talent, like, on Instagram, but then they don't have the, we call, in the discussion I have with someone in particular, we call them soft skills, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they don't know how to address an email and they don't know how to put together a deck or they don't know how and I, I hate decks I think they're stupid um, but they don't know how to like fucking answer the phone properly or not call someone at 1130 yeah in, and it's in, like in that way, yeah. but it's those skills that you learn you know in college or whatever um, so this kid may be super talented. Or interning and working at Coachella. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Straight up. You yeah, just gotta I mean, go through some shit. Like, yeah, you just have to, like, dude, I dropped out of college. I went on fucking tour with some shitty bands. <laughs> and so I had to catch up on a lot of that shit. Like, mm-hmm. I had a job. Um, I was a scout for uh, DreamWorks Trickers. And it was great. But I fucked that job off because I just wasn't prepared with the proper skills mm-hmm. to be like, you know, to, to ingratiate myself into that system and to understand like what it took to do those things. So if you hit up an artist on Instagram and they're, you know, a young mm. kid and he or she is really good at what they do, but you come at them and you're like, hey, I need these designs by this right. time. And then you get them and you're like, hey, um, you know, maybe some feedback or whatever. Just yeah. sometimes the communication is. I guess unprofessional, yeah, to say the least. Like, and, and and for someone like me, I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I can navigate that. Yeah, right. Like, I don't have a. I understand the bigger picture of the thing, but in order for someone to be successful in this business mm-hmm. with creative directors and these giant companies that want this art and want to see a deck and want revisions and want it by this time and structuring your life to be able to do that when yeah. you maybe, you know. A kid from a, a a better background is going to 
have more opportunities to learn those skills mm-hmm. than a kid who it doesn't. So it's something that's I'm consciously thinking about in terms of who am I recruiting to do this artwork for me? Like who am I reaching out to? Who do I want to find? My biggest problem is like how do I find those kids? Mm. Right? Because it's easy like you know the algorithm will tell me you know, points me to graphic designers all the time because right, right. I'm always following graphic designers. Yeah. But, you know, let's say there's a really talented kid, but he doesn't know how to market himself as a graphic designer on Instagram. He's just like, I'm doing all this shit. Mm-hmm. It, there needs to be, I, and I don't know what it looks like and I want to put it together, but there needs to be some sort of program. There needs to be something that, like, like the arts can't constantly be, um, the domain of the well-off, mm-hmm. you know. It's just learning. It's kind of learning both, man. I, I've I've ran into really creative people who don't know how to do anything but be creative. Yep. And then the other side of the coin is like somebody who works at a bank as an investor or some shit, and they don't know how to be creative. And finding the middle ground of that right. is the the area where you're going to be successful because yeah. you know being able to translate creative and. And uh, do revisions properly, and um, it's 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 just so important. Man. It's that language thing. Yeah, it's like being able to speak both languages. It's really important. And you know, people. There's a running joke, and you know, I'm a creative director. Like everyone's a Everyone creative is. director. Yeah. But what you just 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 described is mm-hmm. what a creative director has to do. Yeah. That you have to like. Yes, you may not have your your hands on the Photoshop. You know, you may not be knee deep in like mood boards and shit like that but you have to be able to be that bridge between and especially if you're working in a, on a client side thing right you're not an in-house person yep. even if you are an in-house person to from the people who want the designs and want the art and want to utilize it for whatever the fuck they want to use it for and the people who have to actually create it and execute it mm-hmm. and so whenever I see the the whole creative director joke I'm like yeah I get it it's a joke but it's yeah. an actual job that mm-hmm. people actually do have um, it's just most people that Call themselves that don't have that job. They don't. No. Yeah. And you're, don't understand the. You're like real... directing the creativity yeah. in a professional manner. Yeah. Exactly. And, and handling it, and it's almost like you have to be like, hey, right now you need to be creative. You need to think of these ideas yeah. and do this. And mm-hmm. some creatives are just so in the clouds. It's like I'm not really feeling inspired right now. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. what are you talking about, man? It's if you're really good at what you do, right? And you know, professional enough. You 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 can, can knock it out. You can do that. Yeah. You know you can do a logo. You can do a, a t-shirt design in a day. And you I've know worked. What I'm saying? I've worked with both, and I have my own problems, dude. I had a moment uh, last year where I was like, someone was like, ah, oh, we need some designs for this or some logos for this or whatever. I was like, sorry, man, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm just I'm out of ideas right now. <laughs> they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm out of ideas. Like. <laughs> I'm done. Like I need, and it's that, but it's the same thing you just like kind of referred to. It's like I do have a thing where it's like I need to go away. I need to shut down. I need to yeah. just go smoke weed and fucking take a you nap. You only or have a certain amount of creative magma. Yeah, of exactly, juice dude. Inside of your brain, it's insane that you burn every day. Yeah. I swear to God, every day. Yeah. And you can do you can do a lot of creative shit and a lot of work, but it reaches a point where you're just ineffective too. Right. You know, it's not that you're not being creative. It's just you you spend all your energy on something, and then I swear to god I, if if I hit a creative lull and I've been working for like six hours, I'll just stop, yeah, because I know that in the next two hours, I can just wake up at six a m and be, have a fresh brain and knock right. it out in like twenty minutes yeah. you know what I, I mean? mean 
I, and I found like the you know the running long distances thing for me is like I'm not good at meditating. I'm good at running. Super therapeutic. And it's like you 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 know headphones on, headphones off, whatever. I find a lot of my ideas then come to me at that point, right? It's like you you disconnect yourself from all the bullshit. Yep. Like you know me, I love Twitter. Twitter's tight, dude. Dude, you're all over Twitter. Twitter's your the Twitter's best. hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Twitter's the best. What'd you say the other day? You're like watching C-SPAN on a Saturday or oh, something. Yeah. Watching C-SPAN on <laughs> like a Saturday. Old day. Man yeah, fuck yeah, shit. man. I was dying, dude. C-SPAN on, dude. C-SPAN's <laughs> tight. All these people complaining about all the politics and shit. And like, motherfucker, watch C-SPAN for like two hours and you will have an dude, entirely different perspective on how Draft that Kings, works. if you're listening, C-SPAN Fantasy League. Dude, C-SPAN <laughs> Fantasy League. Let's do it. Like, That's let's all I'm do saying. like some con- congressional fantasy leagues. <laughs> I'm sure there's some dork Dude. motherfucker in DC that's got one. They got a startup. It's oh, a God. <laughs> congressional oh, fantasy God. league. That that would just suck. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. But but like disconnecting yourself from all those things. It's like, you know, how do you restore your creativity and like how do you yeah. recharge your batteries? You know, one of the, the other things that things that frustrate me are just like. God, you picked that fucking design, really? Like, you yeah. know, I threw that in in there for you to like throw away. Okay? Yeah, you know, it's always the one that they picked. Dude. Yeah, fuck, man. But it, it it's tough. But it's, that's just your your yeah. pride and your ego talking. That's you know I, what mean, I mean, ego if you design ego a bunch is of shit. And, e- ego is the worst thing. It is on the planet for especially everybody, especially in the creative realm. You gotta and, just and just in the world, man. Ego. True, true. Like I've been on this uh, on a kick. Like I read, I started reading a lot of Ram Dass. Um, I've started reading Eckhart Tolle again, but I don't really like him that much. But um, one of the things I'm really like focusing on is like just not destroying my ego. Like there's there's a healthy amount of ego to have, mm-hmm. but not letting my ego make control my decision making yep. and control how I react to adversity or um, positivity, even. Yep. Uh, and maintaining sort of like a centered, balanced life, and it's like. Yeah, there's tenets of Buddhism, there's tenets of like Hinduism, there's tenets of like every sort of religion where you're like, you know, it's maintaining focus, being centered, not too far in either direction. But I think the source of all those problems and all those things is ego Mm -hmm. because egos are fragile. Egos will cause you to make poor decisions, Mm -hmm. they will cause you to overextend yourself. You will do things, you will end up taking on too much, which is something I'm fucking terrible about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say yes to fucking everything. Oh yeah, I can, I can do that. Um, you know, no is not the worst word in the world, and especially if like for independent creatives and things. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. The economy is a piece of shit right now, and like everyone needs all the money in the world that they can get their hands on. But say no to things. Yeah. Like, like I I spoke to some students, and they they were asking advice about stuff, and I, that's one of the things I said. I was like, look, just say no every once in a while. Mm-hmm. You'll feel like. You won't burn that bridge as much as you think you will. You'll it gives you some value, gives you and it's and it's value that you're controlling. It's not value that someone else is putting on you. And it gives the other people coming to you an understanding that like, hey, maybe this person is valuable. You know, I'm coming in last minute. You know, we were talking about a show that we had some difficulty with. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of it was because I felt like a lot of people were saying yes to things instead of just Putting their foot down and saying no, mm-hmm. and the the val like understanding your own value is a really hard thing. And as like freelancers, that's I I can't 
one of the one of the problems I have with ever going one hundred percent independent and freelance is like understanding what my value is. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand how much I want or how much I need to live on, but that that's not the same no, no. as your value. And and so saying no is a great way to to put place value upon yourself yeah. where other people might not be doing it. It goes back to the conversation of professionalism too, because yep. you you have to know how to say no. It's mm-hmm. a, I think it's an acquired skill to to do an assessment of a situation, understand that you don't want to do it first off, and then how to communicate it. Because right. I know most creatives, they'll be like, they just want to respond, right? Or they'll do some like passive aggressive shit where they're like, maybe I don't know, let me hit you back, and then they don't. Right. It's so you it's never just, hear wrong. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah, very yeah. like on the fence. Yeah, yeah. But if you can professionally figure out, okay, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Hey, I can't do this. I don't have time. I know a homie who can help you out. Right. Let me try to connect you with somebody. There's so many ways to go about. Yeah, come up with some, with that, a solution yeah. to the problem. Yeah, you help know? them out. You know, you know, we're we're always presented with challenges, and and I can't. I hate like I can't do it. You know, like sure, like I will try to figure it out as a way better solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, or meet my homie. You know, yeah, or like, meet my friend. That's or, the best way to go yeah, about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like you're sharing the love. You know, I always say too, like money comes and goes, and you miss out on something, you lose something. Like it'll come back around. Like just be patient, and you know you're putting your good out into the universe. It'll come back to you. For sure. You know, I'm not worried. You know, sometimes I like when I'm consulting on stuff. I'm like, I'm worried. I'm like, oh man, are we going to lose that client? Like they're not going to want us back. And you know, seven times out of ten, they call us back, even if they go to someone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll call me back and be like, "Hey, like, you know, we tried this and it didn't work. Can you come back and talk about it?" And like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, my price just went up, but okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> your ego's like charge them more. Yeah. But ego's just like, ah, <laughs> oh. ego's just fat and asleep on the couch at that point. It's totally. so stoked. It's like watching oh. C-SPAN. Yeah, watching some C-SPAN. Wait, wait. So, do you want to talk about the Warriors? I don't want to talk about the Warriors. Can we talk about basketball source, for a minute. No. Source subject. Source subject. No. Did you? Did, the, I got. I got a last question though. Okay. Uh, and I've I've been asking this every episode. I'm, okay. I don't know if I'm gonna keep doing it, but I think it's interesting to see what people say. Um, what app do you use, and would recommend that people download? Dude, we already answered this question, man. What C-SPAN Live? Or? No, Twitter, dog. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> rot no. your brain, man. Just yeah. fucking. Uh, <laughs> no, I. I mean, it's such a specific like. Like I, the app I use more than any other to do what I do, and it sounds super, super superficial and shallow, but it's Instagram because what I do is visual, a mm-hmm. lot of it, right? And what I do is, so we talked about like research and like you know I go to Fairfax, and I'll go to shows and pay attention to what people are wearing. Um, trend fa- forecasting is so much easier now because of the internet and because of Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that used correctly, it's a great source. It's a great resource. It's a fantastic way to find people. To find, uh, it sucks that it's owned by Facebook, but um, but it is a, an extremely useful tool for me. Dope. And I will say this about like social media and everything. It's it's all what you make of it. It's not, um, it's not evil inherently. Uh, the algorithm's bullshit mm-hmm. because the algorithm doesn't. It's like the blue T-shirt yeah. example. It doesn't take into account 
human nature because it can't. Yeah, and Instagram's it going away anyways, man. You think so? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's already started. It's because Facebook's ruining it, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's already started. What's what's your IG handle so everybody can oh, follow you? Prada James. Prada James. Yeah, same as Twitter. Sick. Yeah, go follow him on Twitter, man. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm a dipshit on Twitter. I just talk a lot of shit about life. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's my outlet. I, I think I that's that's I think the most healthy. I I feel like Twitter is just shouting into a paper bag. It's like your shitty therapist. You're yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, it's a shitty fucking, it's the worst therapist. It's a share, therapist that will like shout racist shit at you back. <laughs> but uh, if you're if you're wired correctly and find all that shit funny, you're going to have a great time. Word. Well, thanks for coming through, dude. All right, buddy. Thank you. I hope you can edit this into something coherent. <laughs> I will. <laughs> all right. <Please>. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, James. That was a dope conversation. Be sure to follow this man on Twitter. He is hilarious. He just talks the most shit. He is truly, truly a hipster grandpa. I love him to death. At Prada James, P-R-A-D-A-J-A-M-E-S on Twitter and Instagram. Go check him out. Much love to him. I will catch y'all in the next episode. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SuperTightCO. Stay blessed and I will see y'all or you will hear me (laughs) in the next one. (laughs) Peace, (laughs) y'all.